Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Hey everyone, it's Will. We're back with another edition of Creators Outlet right here on the Outright Geekery Network, as well as the Age of Radio. That's right, we're now on Podcast Podcast. Uh, so you won't be able to see anything we're talking about, but you can always come over to the Outright Geekery or Joker Fan Pop Culture Talk YouTube channels at any time to see the video versions of any of the episodes. And before we jump into everything, I'm going to give a big shout out to our sponsor, SpinWiz Comics at SpinWizComics.com. They are a webcomic and indie comic discovery platform. It is completely free to download their app on both iOS and Android. And once you're logged into the app, you get credit for every page of comics you read towards their monthly, quarterly, and yearly giveaways. Check it out for yourself. Over 400 free comics for you to read right at the palm of your fingertips, and this is what it could look like on your smart device. And now, on with the program. We want to welcome back our friend Rich Davis, the writer and creator of Cult of Dracula. Hey, Welcome back, Rich. How you doing? Man, I am so much better than I deserve, man. Thank you for uh, for having me back, man. I'm excited to be here. And your podcast, it looks like you got an upgrade since the last time I was here. Oh yeah, I got a. We got an upgrade. Uh, Spinwiz hooked us up, so we've got a we've got a better version of Streamyard. We get some bells and whistles going on, and uh, nice. You know, so it it looks it looks better and. You know, I, I look a lot, the smaller the, the, the camera is on me, the better I look. <laughs> you know, I kind of feel the same way about myself. So, uh, yeah, you know, there. if anybody thinks I look too good, uh, you should stop day drinking. <laughs> hey, it's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, well, I know I'm Irish. Right. I'm drinking just coffee, just coffee. Uh-huh. It's, it's sure. that coffee. So... <laughs> You've got some big news to share. Yeah, man. Um, it has been um, it has been one hell of a roller coaster since um, I was last on your show. Um, we, uh, of course, Cult of Dracula number one sold out nationwide, um, which was huge. Uh, we sold over. Thank you, thank you. Sold over ten thousand units of the first uh, of the first issue. And uh, we did indeed sign our um, our film development deal 
with Sure Pictures, um, nice. which is incredible. And what's really awesome is that's not even my biggest news since the last time I sat down and uh, talked to you. Uh, you know, most people, uh, you know, comic creators would be like, holy crap, we just signed a film development deal. So that's the big news. Um, but um, I've actually got some bigger news, which is really fantastic. Um, Cult of Dracula has been acquired by SourcePoint Press. Um, so uh, we kind of upgraded our distribution um, since we spoke last, which is fantastic. Um, and so we're going to be coming back out. Um, in uh, the January issue of previews uh, with a brand new uh, remastered edition of uh, Cult of Dracula number one. And they're going to re-release number one and number two and then continue on with the series from there. Um, so we're super excited about it. Um, you know, we were very happy at Second Sight uh, Studios. They did a lot for us, but um, I think we uh, we all agreed that they had taken the book as far as they could. And to their credit, uh, they didn't want to hold uh, hold me back or hold the book back. And so they were uh, they were willing to engage in negotiations with uh, SourcePoint. And um, so now we're uh, we're taking the book over there. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's the uh, there's the new cover art. Um, this, this is just radical. I love this cover art, man. Um, it's by Gula Nemeth. Uh, Gula did um, the cover for issue number two um, of uh, Cult of Dracula. Uh, and so when we um, when we started talking to SourcePoint, you know, and they wanted to re-release number one, um, now it's going to be available through Diamond, of course. So, uh, you know, it'll get more market penetration, uh, we hope. And um, but we wanted to do we were all in agreement that we didn't just want to basically reprint the same first issue and try to sell it again. So uh, we kind of brainstormed um, Henry Martinez, my artist and uh, Jacob and uh, Travis over at source point. We kind of came up with this idea to do uh, cult of Dracula number one remastered. Um, so we spoke to Gula, um, had him create this fantastically radical um, new cover art for us. I just absolutely adore this cover. It might be my favorite cover in all of them that we've had done so far. Um, and um, so we got the brand new cover art. Um, Henry is going back in and he's going to rework some of the art panels. So uh, in this remastered edition, it's actually going to be remastered. Um, you're going to get um, some uh, some new artwork. And we're actually adding uh, some pages to the book um we're adding a section that we're calling brahms uh case files so um this is going to be bonus content that's only available in the remastered editions um and it will be the backstories and origins of uh several of the main characters um that we meet throughout the uh, the comic book uh story um so you know we're, we're trying to give um customers a reason if you've already purchased a copy of cult of dracula we're giving you a reason to come back and purchase it again. And if you haven't purchased one yet, we're giving you a little more of an incentive to come and pick it up this time. And the cover alone should be the incentive, but bonus pages, redone art, uh, case files in the back, yep. you know, which brings me back to our little mini pre-show discussion of, of Hamahara. Right. You know, that, that those, the, the the brand files at the end is very cold check of you. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I am um, I am very heavily inspired by the Hammer horror films um, and Grindhouse horror. I love that era of uh, of filmmaking, the '60s and the '70s. Man, there was just something magical oh, yeah. about it. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've had the privilege to be able to see a lot of it on, uh, you know, VHS and DVD and Blu-ray. I wish I would have been around to see it live. That would have been amazing to, you know, go to the theaters and see this thing. Um, but, but yeah, neither I, of us are that old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> way before us. Um, but I still, uh, you know, I love, um, watching them. Uh, they, they'll put them up on shutter or they'll put them up on like AMC or something like that around Halloween. So I, I probably watched four or five of them. Um, this Halloween uh, season, just because I love it, man. These are some incredible, uh, oh yeah, incredible films. So yeah, you know, in the way that we're presenting this, if you're a fan of Hammer films, um, yeah, you're you're going to see a lot of uh, inspirations in that. I mean, that even the cover by Gula, um, it looks like uh, it absolutely could have been a a, a movie poster for oh, uh, yeah. for a Hammer film. I I think you should probably turn those into posters, like nice heavyweight posters for stores. I don't know, like yours. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I think well, we're, I think we've got that planned because that people, that is going to look fantastic hanging up on some comic book shop walls, you know? Oh yeah. Cause you know, and this is the year for horror. I don't know why 2020 would be a year for horror, but <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a year, a year of horror. Um, Started out well. One talk, talking and reviewing issue one of Cult of Dracula mm -hmm. for you on Outright Geekery, and uh, that was soon followed up by a whole bunch of other horror stuff. Uh, the plot from Vault Comics, love the plot, which love is Vault. fantastic. And uh, freaking Scout Comics has been on fire, yeah. Like, and a lot of their horror stuff is like horror thriller, which I, you know. It's it's either going to be monster or thriller. I'm you know I don't I don't have anything against the slasher stuff, but if it doesn't ha if it's just you know slashing for slashing sake, uh, I'm more than fine watching that for free on on Vudu with commercials than right. than I you know that I am you know in a in a book. I'd rather get like the psychological edge to it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, and I like um, I really like what's going on in the uh, in the indie comic world right now, and what's going on just generally with horror comics. Um, you know, I think I said this before. I think we're entering into a golden age of comic books. Um, the superhero stuff is kind of um, kind of starting to take a little bit of a backseat to the genre books. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, we're uh, luckily right when creators are starting to have these fires lit to create these genre stories like horror and sci-fi and fantasy, um, the audience's appetite is at an all-time high for it. So, um, you know, the, there's a perfect convergence of things. And um, I really, really believe that the next five to 10 years, uh, we're, we're going to see a golden age of, um, of comic creativity again, because the whole industry is having to rethink the way that it does things. And that um, necessity always leads to innovation and innovation is always good for the consumer. Um, so things are going to get better. Things are going to get uh, more entertaining and more creative. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about where comics are going right now. Yeah. I just, I think we just need a lot more stores nationwide 
that are open to bringing in indie titles and Absolutely. you know talking talking to their their people. I know, sadly, uh, my LCS that I've been going to for thirty five years, um, except if it's me or like one of five other people, uh, can't can't move anything that's not the the top the top three being Marvel, DC, and Image. Yep. If it's not Marvel, DC, and Image, uh, yeah, I don't want that. I just like the superhero stuff. I'm like, which is which is fine, but I mean, I I read and reviewed like three different books today before we came on to do this, right? So I'm just like, oh. <laughs> and I th I think the the best book I read all day today, and I read like five or six books. I read like three out of my back stock and uh, and and three current ones that came out like this past week. So I read. Uh, Dynamite number two from Dynamite. Yep, I'm digging is, that. Which which is cool. It's not it's not the greatest one I've read, but you know, any excuse to have Vampirella in a big crossover, right? You know, it's somebody that doesn't normally write Vampirella, and she's just you know a little cog in the story with a whole bunch of other characters. Mm -hmm. You know, which which is cool, and they they brought like a whole bunch of odd characters into the mix from their stable, so I, I appreciated that. Um, but the best thing I read all day today was uh, Kick-Ass versus Hit-Girl, number one. That was a solid book, man. And I didn't really expect it to be. Um, you know, I've not been a real big fan of Kick-Ass for a while, um, you know, because I, I felt like it kind of lost some of its edge. Um, but I think maybe we're getting a little bit of that back. This was an impressive uh, first uh, first outing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, um, you know, so I, I hope people keep picking that up. Oh yeah, it was it was it was my only five star review in like three months. So wow, high praise. So you know, and and it says a lot because the 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 last time the last time I saw anything to do with Kickass, uh, he was still like a white teenager, mm -hmm. and now he's a she. Yeah, and not white. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, it's, and, it's apparent, and, apparent, and apparently, in a flat out murderer. So. Yeah, it got violent um, and it got wild, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm impressed to see that because, you know, Kick-Ass, it, it, it's supposed to be kind of an edgy commentary on the standard superhero story. You know, it's not yeah. supposed to fit nice and neat where, you know, uh, everything gets tied up with a little bow and death doesn't matter. And, you know, reincarnation happens at the flip of a coin. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see, uh, see Kick-Ass get back to those kind of edgy, uh, roots that it had. Yeah, definitely. So we've got the, we've got the film development deal. Mm -hmm. We've got the new distribution deal. Mm -hmm. We've got a new remastered book coming out. Yep. And since the last time. How many issues are we looking to do in this uh, arc? Has it expanded? We're uh, we're still targeting eighteen total issues, um, and just like a great Hammer um, film property, um, what it's going to be uh, is going to be the first volume is called Cult of Dracula. It's uh, six issues long, and then we're going to come back with the second six issue volume. It's going to be called Rise of Dracula, and then the uh, 
the third six issue volume is going to be called Reign of Dracula. Um, so you know, fits right into that mold with the with the Hammer films, um, and uh, you know, of course, six issues in one volume, six issues in the next volume, six issues in the final volume. So six, 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 a perfect number of books for a uh, for a for a comic series about the occult and vampires. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> the uh, I think I I bought my first set of Hamahara on on DVD, like mm-hmm. DVD at Suncoast. It was like mm-hmm. on sale. It was like a double. Each disc was like double sided, and there were like five discs in the set, so I got like ten movies in there. Yeah, and I I put it in, and the first one I put in, of course, the Dracula movie, and. It blew my mind. I'm like, oh my god, Grand Moff Tarkin is a good guy now, right? <laughs> like, how did that happen? <laughs> uh, but Peter, I, you know, Peter Cushing is Van Helsing. I love seeing Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Um, you know, they those those are just amazing um, movies, man. Um, and I I miss that that style of filmmaking. I mean, it really wasn't big budget. It you know. It wasn't polished. It was it was almost like filming a live stage play, um, you know. Uh, oh, so dark shadows. Yeah, exactly. It was very, you know, that it always those Hammer films always give me that vibe because, like, you know, you you actually see the characters cross and exit the scenes, you know, and like you would in a in a in a stage production. And, you know, nowadays the way filmmaking works is, you know, you would just cut away and, um, you know, just assume that they left or whatever. Um, so, yeah, man, it's a it is definitely its own unique style of filmmaking. And uh, I'd love to see it make a comeback. I would love to see the guys at Sure Pictures um, as they're developing Cult of Dracula. I would love to see them develop it kind of in the hammer style. That that has always been my uh, my dream for uh for the project um so um you know maybe a little bit of hammer maybe a little bit of toby hooper uh texas chainsaw massacre era uh throw some of that in and uh and we're golden oh yeah most definitely it's it's just you know i still remember reading the first issue and the art because it was so different yep but it was it was creepily airy and uh sli- slightly psychopathic so mm-hmm. i i enjoyed it very much and uh <laughs> i can't wait till you get to read issue number two man it's um uh, as we move into the second uh, issue now uh, what's really cool um there are about 96 comic book stores uh, across the country that ordered uh cult of dracula number two from second sight so it's going to be out at the beginning of december uh for them source point um which this is very awesome of them. Uh, when they acquired the rights, they agreed to honor all of the existing orders of the book. So if you're a comic book store owner out there and you uh, you did order Cult of Dracula number two, you don't have to wait until February or March to get it. Um, it's gonna it's gonna arrive to you on time. Um, so people are gonna get to check out uh, Cult of Dracula number two um, before we go back with these remastered editions. So. Um, it's a it's a really cool story. We go uh, we go much much deeper into uh, into the occult aspects of it, and we get to see more of the cult. Issue one was basically uh, you know it's a framing device. It introduces us to what's going on. 
um, and it reads very much like a true crime thriller um, because it's, it's really all about Agent Brom's investigation of uh, the Cult of Dracula Massive Suicides. Um, and so when we, uh, when we get into uh, issue number two, uh, Mina finally gets her uh, sit-down interview with the enigmatic cult leader, uh, Robert Renfield, and he, uh, it doesn't go the way she thinks it's going to go, and it doesn't go the way he thinks it's going to go either. Um, so we really start to get some amazing supernatural elements, um, and then the further you go into the story, the faster and faster it spirals out of control. Um, so... Um, you know, oh, yeah, so it's like a Friday night at college, right? Exactly. You know, <laughs> the later it gets, the uh, the less things make sense, but somehow they're more fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, is is issue two from Source Point going to be an expanded issue as well? Like it will one? be. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, we're going to keep the uh, Brahms case files going um, through each issue now. Um, so, uh, and Henry is going to fix some art, add some new pages and things like that to, um, to both issues one and two, um, because again, we wanted to give people a reason to buy both, you know, um, if you've already purchased a copy from second sight, um, at your local comic book shop, um, you know, of number one or number two, we want to give you a reason to come back and buy another one. Um, you know, so you'll, it's not just a, just a cash grab. We're actually giving you more content that um, expands the world and expands your understanding. You know, Henry and I were talking and he and I both really, really enjoyed um, growing up. Um, we enjoyed the, uh, the complete guide to the Marvel universe and DC had one as well. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, yeah, they did uh, DC's was who's who. That's it. And the other one was the guide to the Marvel universe. They were both like alphabetical. Yeah. You know things, and you know they were they were very cool. They've been produced in the originals have been put like into soft and hardcover since, and there's been and then they go and do their updates, and I'm like, oh man, you ruined the whole thing. This book's no good now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Henry and I were both big fans of those, um, and so that's where we got the idea for Brahms Case Files. So um, it's going to be at the end of each issue. It's it's a bonus content for people who want to know more about the uh, the characters. So the, the way we're approaching it, um, these files that you're gonna see, they're like the cover dossiers um, that Agent Brom has on the characters that we're meeting because you know he's investigating them all for the FBI. Um, so, uh, you know, it'll be kind of his notes, you know, where they're from. It'll be just like um, one of the who's who or um, uh, you know, the complete guide to the Marvel universe, um, you know, they'll have a, a, a picture and they know their, their date of birth, their hometown and all this pertinent information. And then all the things that a, that an FBI agent would need, um, uh, to investigate these, uh, these people. So it's going to be a really fun read. Um, and it'll actually help enhance, uh, people's enjoyment of the book. It's not just a throwaway, uh, couple of pages that we're adding. Um, so we're really excited about that. I'm glad that SourcePoint gave us the opportunity. And in in your opinion, as a collector and comic book shop owner, mm -hmm. where do you think this puts the original number one limiteds that blew out from Frankie's Comics in 45 minutes? Yeah, um, uh, from Scorpion Comics. Scorpion, um, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, those books, um, you know, this is, I'll take my creator hat off and put my, uh, my, uh, my uh, comic book store owner hat back on. Um, those second sight books, um, they're going to be very highly sought after. I mean, it's already, it's already on key collector, both issues. Um, so what we might want to compare them to now, of course, I don't think they're going to see this level of success, but they could, who knows? But, um, you know, when Eastman and Laird, uh, originally released TMNT, you know, they kind of did it on their own self-publishing, uh, uh, mm -hmm. company. And then it was picked up, uh, I believe it was Mirage that picked them up, um, uh, first, and they did basically the same thing. They reissued uh, the first four issues. And of course, now we know that those first four issues of TMNT, um, you know, they're, they're tens of thousands of dollars if you have a mint copy of number one. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a good model, I think, because, um, you know, it was a, even though we sold 10,000 units, that's still an incredibly small print run compared to some of the books from Marvel or DC. Um, or even some image books, you know, I mean, they, some of them print, you know, 50, 60,000, maybe 100,000 uh, copies. So um, these, especially with the announcement of the, the film uh, under development, um, those books are going to be very highly collectible. So I would highly encourage anybody listening, um, you know, if your local comic book shop ordered these and if they have any left, I would scoop them up quickly. Um, because they won't they won't last uh, last too much longer. Uh, we saw the um, the George's Genty House of Secrets variant, which was just a B cover that we did. Um, it hit forty bucks on eBay uh, the day that we announced the film deal. So uh, that that's pretty incredible because it was it was just a one in five variant. So um, you know that that was really super cool. Yeah, it's a well, it's a House of Secrets variant, so it's right. Yeah, it, 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 it's really got, awesome. It, it's got historical significance, right? You know, right from the the homage of the cover. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you know, House of Secrets ninety two is my favorite comic book of all time. Bernie Wrightson's my favorite comic book artist of all time. Sorry, Henry, um, <laughs> uh, but no, I love Bernie, and I love love that house of secrets cover it has just fascinated me from the very first time i saw it um so i was super happy that georges agreed to do uh the house of secrets homage for me and i'm over the moon happy that this book has been probably it's probably been the most popular cover um that we put out the scorpion comics cover has been by far the most valuable um you know that book's been selling for over 100 bucks on ebay um, at different times, but the house of secrets, man, for it to hit 40, that was really cool. Um, that was, and, um, you know, Chris Callahan did another variant for us on number one. That was beautiful. Um, it did very, very well. Um, so yeah, if you're a collector and that, that, you know, you're looking at the book from an investment perspective, picking up the original run from uh, second sight, uh, would be, uh, probably a wise investment. Oh yeah. It's all you have to do is say, yeah, it was a short print. Mm -hmm. And then everybody storms the doors of their closest shop. And yep. you have any of these? Why? Oh, no reason. <laughs> I love that when they walk in, you know, and I mean, every comic book shop owner who's worth his salt has a subscription to Key Collector now. And so I love when Key Collector pops something up. And of course, Key Collector has been very supportive of Cult of Dracula as well. Uh, Nick over there is fantastic. Um, and he's been uh, very supportive of our book. 
but I love when he'll they'll post something, you know, like under development for new Disney Plus series, and then all of a sudden people come in and they're looking for She-Hulk issues that, or um, my favorite one is Darkhawk. Um, Darkhawk has gotten stupidly hot um, in the past couple of weeks because they've been talking about a Disney Plus series. Oh yeah, they they announced they announced it again. I'm like, yeah, and I I saw it on the. Uh, I was scrolling through Facebook earlier today, and I saw it on the CBSI uh, page, and people were making jokes about it. I go, oh, anybody got a couple couple of mil for my slightly overpriced Doc Hork number one issues in the short box? <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, we've had um, at our shop, we, we've had a lot of customers come in and they're like, um, do you guys have like you know old issues of Darkhawk? And I mean, nobody ever comes in asking for Darkhawk. And so it's and they, they and we'll ask them like, oh, yeah, why are you looking for it? And they're like, oh, no, yeah, I just I just want to read like you didn't want to read Darkhawk. You saw it on Key Collector and you and you're trying to spec on it. Uh, which is yeah. fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, speculation's part of the game. It's part of the, the hobby. Uh, but I just love, for some reason, customers. They feel like they feel ashamed to be speculating on a book, you know, and um, like they're like, we're going to get mad at them because they're looking to buy a book that might go up in value. It's like, no, dude, here, buy it, invest, make money, then come back and buy more comics. The well, I find a lot of the problem with that is. They storm the doors. They want to buy up all the copies of something that turned hot 30 seconds ago. Yeah. Run home, overpriced list them, <laughs> make their money. And they're also the first ones, and I see this and I rip into people, uh, usually usually gets me the Facebook jail banning, which I could give two craps about, uh, <laughs> for, uh, you know, trolling them when they're like, Oh, this store was a bleep. I'm like, oh, what? Did they charge you fair market value for a book that right. turned hot when it hit the shelf? <laughs> well, that's not fair. I go. If Why it was, is it? If not it fair? was, if it was cover price, how many cases of the last Ronin were you going to try to buy off this guy? Exactly. You know, it's that that I you know that as a comic book shop owner is the most frustrating thing about it is you get these customers who they don't regularly support your store. They only show up when there's a new hot issue and they always try to buy as many copies as they can. They try to buy them so that your regular customers can't get them. And then they just disappear and you never see them again until the next hot book comes out and they get so angry when you mark the price up to fair market value. And it's like, I always want to ask them if they would give me the, if they give me the opportunity. I was like, why do you think you're entitled to my profit? You know, because I'm the one who, you know, you're coming at this right now for this book. Well, I'm here ordering these books week in and week out, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, um, you know, a week in comic books that I purchase. You know, I have 10 employees that I have to pay. I have uh, I have a building with, that I have to pay rent for and utilities and a POS system. And I have to put all this money into these things. And I, you know, as a comic book store owner, I lose money on most of the books that we order. So when something like Last Ronin comes out, yeah, you know, and I think I'm entitled to make a profit because I deserve to eat too. 
you know, and I want to keep my store open and I want to keep my employees employed. And if we didn't have things like last Ronin that, you know, you could sell for three, four, five, six times cover price, we wouldn't be able to order um, all of the indie books that we uh, that we have, um, you know. So, you know, if you're a, if you're a customer, you come in and you support the store all the time and you're a subscriber, you are I will bend over backwards, move mountains to make sure that you get your copy of a hot book at cover price. But if you're one of those speculators who just blows in every time, you know, a hot book gets posted on Key Collector and then you never show back up again, you know, dude, I would rather you just go to another shop because you're not going to be happy shopping with me. Yeah. And it, it's not like they come in and just, you know, just want to buy one, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a hot book. And then nine out of 10 times, you know, you'll knock a couple of bucks off the price for him at least. Sure. You know, I know uh, <clears throat> there's a store that I, I'm very friendly with the owner. I talk to him all the time online. Uh, he's like one, one of three owners, but I, you know, before all this, you know, I would, you know, I would go in there like once every couple of months and I'd, I'd walk in the door and I'd drop like 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Cause I'd go in there to, cause he'd be, he'd, he'd put up a post with a couple of pictures, new wall books. And I, and <laughs> like, I take I'm, off. I'm like, I go, um, I spotted, you know, I'll spot like one or two things. I'm like, Oh, I would love to have that Batman adventures first appearance, but I don't make enough money all year to buy that. So <laughs> what, what else you got? <coughs> and I bought, I bought just books that, you know, I own, I had when I was a kid and I'm sure. like, you know, like a stupid issue of an old stupid issue of amazing Spider-Man, the first and only appearance of the blue cyclone. Right. Just because you loved it. I go, I had this, it was one of the first Spider-Man books I bought with my own money when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, you know, that, and there were other books that you would see advertisements for in the book that you really wanted. Right. You could never find because you were at the mercy of a spinner rack. Yep. You know, or a magazine rack if you're, you know, not as old as I am, <laughs> you know, like you. And, uh, but it was, you know, it was just crazy. And, you know, but like even, even my regular LCS when, uh, a few years ago when, uh, Batman number one from New 52, yeah, bounded up to like, you know, a hundred bucks and everybody wanted it. Yep. They didn't, they didn't want a single issue after number one. They just mm-hmm. wanted, number one right so it, it's like a hundred dollars he would you know op- open up a copy and let people examine it at the counter um you know show it to him goes this there's no marks on it um it it came right from the distributor and it came right into a bag and board in, in the shop and i'm asking this much and that's you know it's it's a it's a hundred dollar you know and at one point it was up to like 150. yeah so like it was it's 150 on ebay uh call it 99 bucks and we're good yeah that's fair and then yeah oh yeah and then you always have the you always have the one person that would be like couldn't you do a little better (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i i can i the, the price is now 200. Yeah, <clears throat> we, um, you know, we'll do a thing um, like uh, when a book like that comes out now, 
where um, if you, uh, well, what, what was the one? Oh, the first appearance of Punchline, the uh, Batman 92. 90, yeah, 92. So that was a super hot book when it came out. And so what we did was, um, you know, you could, if you were a subscriber and you subscribed to Batman, you were guaranteed to get your copy cover price minus your discount. And we even allowed people the day of, um, you know, if you wanted to come in and buy a copy of Batman 92, uh, you could, you could buy it at cover price. All you had to do was open up a subscription box and agree to subscribe to the next 12 issues of Batman. Because if you really want to just read this story, you're not going to go flip it on eBay for, you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks, then yeah, sure. We want you to have this book. We don't want you to miss out on it. So all you got to do is subscribe. And there were people who would still complain about that, you know, uh, because they, they were the people that wanted to come in and buy 10 copies and go put them on eBay and make a bunch of money. And uh, th those people, unfortunately, uh, I, I, I don't like to say that anybody is, bad for the hobby but they come close to being bad for the hobby because their only interest is exploiting it for uh, their own profit and they don't want to support anybody else that's in the industry they don't want to let anybody else play the game and that's that's not good for the long-term health of comic book collecting yeah that's uh i like to call them the bloodsuckers because yeah you know and and now it's like I, I have this argument all the time, probably because I'm old and goes, well, you're not a collector. You're a reader. I go, no, actually, you can be both at the same time. Yeah, you can. You know, the and smart ones are. I know, you know, uh, there's a guy from uh, who has his own kind of like, you know, podcast video thing going on. Uh, really, really nice guy. Uh buddy of mine, local artist friend of mine, was interviewed by him like a few years ago at a local con. Um, talk to him all the time, you know. But I can I can tell he's like half my age because every week if there's a Power Rangers book that comes out, <laughs> yep, he has the Power Rangers book and all the variant covers. And his his thing now is buying all the store exclusives mm -hmm. that, that look all pretty. I'm like, I want to see these guys, like even like Art Germ. I want to see Art Germ do an entire book, not just the cover and make like 80 grand. Right. I want to see you do the book with actual sequential art, not pinups through the whole book. You know. Oh, yeah. A static piece of art. Yeah, it looks pretty, but do more. And I mean... I love his work. He's I've met him before. He's a wicked nice guy, but I'm like, you know, I'm old school. I, I think, you know, if you do the cover of a book, you should have to do the interior too. I'd like to see that. I, you know, I, there's a lot of artists out there that I would love to see uh, uh, do interiors and do the sequential art. Art Germ's one of them. I, I'd love to read an entire book uh, drawn by Peach Momoko. Uh, I'd love to see uh, Shannon Mayer. Um, uh, do an entire book because not only am I fans of their art, but I also think they're talented uh, enough that they could do the sequential art if they pushed themselves and challenged themselves to do it. But it's hard to argue when they're making, you know, 80 to a hundred thousand dollars just doing the cover. You know, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, to get, it's yeah. like, it's hard to turn that down. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, I wouldn't turn it down either. Of course, you know, yeah. they're not going to, 
you know, I, I, I would draw covers like Tom King. Yeah. Enough said. <laughs> uh, right. I got it. But, uh, uh, he's slightly better than I am because I, I, I can't even draw crooked, terrible stick figures well. So um, I, I admire the hell out of any comic book artist out there because they are so much more talented than I am uh, when it because I, I seriously I can't draw a stick figure. Um, one of these days I'm going to get a blank cover of Cult of Dracula and I'm just going to I'm going to show people how terrible of an artist I am. Um, and then that'll be the book that sells for like a million dollars. It's going to be a straight line with like two pointy fangs on either end. Yeah, and the, and the, the, the fangs will be crooked, of course. Yeah. Why, why, are the fang, draw a straight line. why are the fangs crooked? Was, well, because there's no dentists in Transylvania. Yeah, you know, vampires. He's not going to the dentist. Dentists aren't open at night. <laughs> you know, well, not the good ones, no. Right. <laughs> Well, there might be some back alley dentists out there that you might find in a Hammer horror film, you know. Uh. <laughs> now, this is this is something as a as a as a comic shop retailer. Uh, this whole DC thing mm -hmm. is it just me, or can you know they go suck a lemon? You know, I have a very difficult time figuring out what DC's end game is. And, um, you know, I thought it was very innovative when they kind of broke from diamond and went out on their own with lunar and, uh, and UCS, um, you know, because diamond needed some competition. Uh, you know, they had, they had operated as the 800 pound gorilla in the comic book industry for 30 plus years. They didn't have any motivation to innovate or improve their service um, because there was nowhere else for people to go. So when DC struck out and broke away, you know, it, when these small publishers do it, it, you know, they can only do so much. But when DC pulls 30% of Diamond's business away, you know, overnight like that, um, you know, that forces or it should force Diamond to perk up and, um, you know, start innovating, um, which I think Diamond's actually doing that now because we're seeing a lot more indie um, small press books featured more prominently in previews. Um, so I think that's ultimately in that aspect, what DC is doing is going to be good for the industry. Um, but, and I also, I am also a fan of them breaking from the shared continuity. And I know that's probably going to, you know, make people hate me right there because I know that's not popular among hardcore comic book readers. But I think that, I think that your storytelling is extremely limited by an obsession with continuity sometimes. Um, you know, because if you, you know, if you're writing a story today, something that they wrote in 1964 might not be relevant to, uh, and it should, I don't believe that it should hinder your ability to tell a story. Um, and so in, in that regard, I like where DC's going, where they're breaking, they broke from Diamond, created some competition in the industry. And then they're also breaking <clears throat> from this just religious obsession with continuity. 
Um, you know, I think whatever you need to do to just tell good stories, because that's ultimately what people want. Um, and, you know, my favorite, when I look at like Batman, you know, my, I don't care if I read Batman, you know, uh, 104 before I read Batman 55. What I'm looking for is I like a story like Hush or The Long Halloween or Killing Joke. You know, I want that story. And I, and I don't care if it really affected the next story that came along. This was just a really damn good story. Like Killing Joke, one of my all-time favorite Batman stories, and it has absolutely nothing to do with any other Batman continuity. Um, so, Just like the cult which I'm surprised you didn't mention, but <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That one gets overlooked a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a good call there. Um, so, but then some of the other things DC is doing, like, um, you know, the way it's treating some of, um, uh, you know, some of its longtime uh, creators and executives that, that troubles me a little bit, well, a lot of it really. And then there's part of me that worries that, you know, DC and Marvel to a degree as well, now that they're owned by big mega corporations, that they're getting away from wanting to tell great stories and they're just wanting to develop new television intellectual properties because that's where the money's at. And I see, you know, a lot of small press publishers um, are starting to do that too. You know, that they're kind of, they're writing in, they're not writing to tell a good story. They're writing to get a good TV show or get a TV show option because that's that's unfortunately where the money is. You know, comic books. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of money in this industry um, for creators or publishers or anybody. The big money comes when and when I say big money, I'm, I mean money that you know will sustain you for a year to be able to eat and pay your rent. Um, you know, it, it comes from the television and the other properties and the comic books are kind of just the seeds for those intellectual properties. So, um, you know, there's a lot that, that creates a lot of opportunity for indie publishers and indie creators, but it also creates a lot of instability in the industry. So um, I think DC needs to own up to its responsibility to the industry as a whole and kind of do some things to give comic book store owners and readers some assurances um, that, you know, because the biggest fear that I hear a lot is that um, people are afraid DC is going to stop making comics, that all they're going to do is just focus on television shows and animated movies and things like that. And that, that really shakes the hobby to the core when you, uh, you know, when one of your major pillars of the industry, um, when they're being vague and, uh, not really communicating. So I wish, you know, if, you know, DC is not going to listen to a word I say, they don't even know I exist. Um, but, you know, if, if I could counsel them or if they were to hear this, I, I would say, you know, stabilize your customers, you know, co you know, contribute to making the hobby more stable and more sustainable long-term rather than just focusing on, you know, popping a quick buck for yourself. Don't be don't be a bloodsucker, you know. Well, we had we had two different DC fandoms. Of course, the first one was just their uh, their Megapolis, uh, you know, San Diego Comic Con, uh, mm -hmm. you know, multimedia panel for you know movies and TV, right? And you know, 
Jim Lee took five minutes out of his day to uh, critique, like, you know, one dude's portfolio, and then he was done. And he, like, co-hosted a couple other things. And then they did a second one later, and I was so upset at the first one. I'm like, you were still a comic book company, right? And there was nothing to do with comic books. And, I mean, the only, the only thing that excited me in that first long stench of things was – uh, one seeing Linda Carter for like you know all like thirty seconds, and mm-hmm. the second was the new the new Arkham game where Batman's supposed to be dead, and you can have four player co op on the screen at the same time mm-hmm. where you get to play uh, the new version of Batgirl, which I'm not crazy about, like the goofy like teenage costume. Sure. Uh, but you also you also get Red Hood, uh, Red Robin, Nightwing. And Nightwing, yeah. So you you got like those those four characters to choose from, you know, to play. And it's, you know, against the Court of Owls. And like, oh, well, Batman's dead. I'm like, and right at the top of my head, I go, Batman's not dead. They turned him into a Talon. And you're going to have to fight him at the end of the game. I haven't (laughs) even seen it. It's not even released. I already know. I already know. It's like. You've got like a multi-billion dollar video game conglomerate going on with all the dark night stuff. And now you're going to kill him. Yeah. To have, to have a sidekick video game. I don't think so. It's almost like you've read a comic book before. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know, um, and now this, um, when I say this, probably 75% of your audience is going to hate me and maybe turn off your podcast. So I apologize for this, but <clears throat> I wish, I wish that DC really would kill Batman. Um, I wish they would kill Bruce Wayne, bury him in a vault at the center of the earth from whence there is no return. Because I think that they're, just like sometimes their obsession with continuity, their obsession with fan service keeping Bruce Wayne alive um, is a detriment to um, their ability to tell great stories. Because how amazing would it be if we were talking about now the legacy of Bruce Wayne passing the torch down to Dick Grayson, who then now Dick Grayson's getting old um, and is now passing the torch down to Damian Wayne. Um, You know, you really have that sense of legacy, that sense of gravitas, um, you know, this, this, which is one reason I love Invincible so much. I think Invincible is one of the best superhero um, comics ever written because you get that sense of legacy because it is about a father passing on the torch, um, you know, passing legacy on to the son. Um, <clears throat> so I'd love to see that happen, you know, in the, in the DC universe and the Marvel universe too. I would love to see a time return when the death of a character wasn't greeted with an eye roll, you know, like, Oh yeah, he's dead. It'll be back in three issues. And then he's actually back in three issues. Um, you know, but I, I think, um, you know, I would love to see a universe where um, you don't have a, a, an extra man, you know, where uh, if you die, you're dead. You know, so if a writer um, decides that you're, he's going to kill a character or she's going to kill a character, it really means something. Um, you know, it's, I would love to have that feeling I get when I read, um, you know, A Song of Ice and Fire, you know, because every you're almost terrified to turn a page 
because you don't know who's going to die. And, you know, Martin will just, I mean, he'll, he'll pop a character, you know, like, like nobody's business. Um, and so you, I, I invest in those stories a little bit more, um, you know, but I think that's also another reason why um, I am such a fan of indie small press books uh, because, you know, in this, you know, in our segment of the, um, of the comics creating community, um, you know, death does matter and we do have legacy. And if, you know, if we kill a character off, you know, we're not going to bring him back in two issues. Um, just, you know, uh, at the drop of a hat, you know, it, it means something. So I think it's, you, I think you get more mature stories, um, from, and not mature as an adult, you know, like pornographic. Oh, there's a lot of that out there too. Um, which, you know, it's great if that's what you're into. But um, the stories get more complex. Um, they get more interesting, um, and they get more more grown up, you know. And I think they target more of a uh, of a grown up audience. Um, and I'm I'm really I'm really excited at the opportunities that are being created for indie publishers and indie creators by the fact that Marvel and DC are kind of becoming these massive media companies rather than comic book companies. It really sucks. You know, to be a fan of Spider-Man or a fan of the X-Men or a fan of Batman um, or uh, Superman, as I am, um, to see them kind of, you know, falling away from the cutting edge storytelling that they had for so long. But as they as they as they wane, it gives a, a opportunity for new voices and new characters and new properties to step into that void because people aren't going to stop reading comic books. Um, I mean, if Marvel and DC, if Marvel and DC went out of business tomorrow, people are still going to read comic books. Some people are. I mean, the industry would take a huge hit. It wouldn't be as popular as it is right now with the, you know, the non-core fans. But people are still going to read comics. People have been reading comics for 100 years or more. And that's not going to go away overnight. But the industry is going to change. Yeah, I, I think uh, DC is leaning towards, you know, they, they kind of want to go all digital one because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they don't want to pay anybody. Uh, right. They, I mean, you know, they get rid of, they got rid of Bob Harris and all these other people. And then, you know, uh, you know, they just promote, they just promoted a girl to Bob Harris's, uh, you know, CEO, uh, you know, publisher seat the other day. And, mm-hmm. And, you know, and I responded on their, on their feed. I'm like, great. Okay. Now tell me why, what has she done that I have never heard her name in comics, but what has she done that, you know, besides being a woman, because DC is completely woke, uh, besides being a woman, what has she done? What has she done in the business? to, you know, get that editor-in-chief game. Yeah. I, you know, I don't really know enough about that side of things to really make any kind of uh, intelligent comment, um, you know, there. Um, you know, I think, I think it's good that the industry is diversifying because comics readership is diversifying. Oh, you know, right. as, a re- as a retailer, you know, I can tell you that women are the fastest-growing um, segment of the comic book industry. We have more women coming in. They Now, they don't tend, to, now broad strokes, of course, they don't tend to consume comics in the traditional way. They don't 
always show up to buy their weekly pulls, but they devour graphic novels and trade paperbacks. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can't get enough um, of those the uh, comics in that format, and they do. Uh, you know, women do tend to consume digital a little bit more, um, <clears throat> but still, I think they a lot of them still have that love of feeling paper in their hands. Um, you know, so I do, I, I am excited that comic books are diversifying because we need a bigger tent. Um, you know, especially now when things are so uncertain, uh, you know, we don't need to be gatekeepers. We don't need to be keeping people out. We need to welcome more people in. Oh yeah, definitely. And because well, otherwise, you know, that the only thing that would kill the comic book industry is if there were no more people reading comics. Um, so, you know, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of change and a lot of tumult going on in the industry right now. And, um, some people are going to, some companies and some creators are going to survive it. And some are just gonna, you know, uh, mosey off into the, into the, the twilight somewhere. And, uh, but you know, we'll, we just got to keep going and keep creating and telling awesome stories and, uh, you know, reaching as many people as we can. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, graphic novels slash trade paperbacks are like 65% of the, the market. They have been for a long time because people would rather buy a complete story arc mm -hmm. or at least part of a story arc that's like big enough to contain them for, you know, a few hours than, you know, buy, you know, a you know, two or three floppies mm -hmm. and then have to wait around for more. They'd rather buy it in the, you know, and one of the one of the series that I've been reading for years, X-Men, has turned me into a trade waiter. Yeah. Because, you know, dear Marvel, stop making every series a miniseries and rebooting. Yeah, that's for us. The reboots are very frustrating. Um, you know, it's gotten to the point where it's just it, it's absurd. Uh, you know, I think I think X-Men has rebooted, what, four times in the last five years, maybe uh, I was going to I was going to say six months, but <laughs> yeah, that would be a little hyperbole. But uh, but I, I understand the sentiment. But, you know, because we it, it was uh, so uh, uncanny went away and it was astonishing. And then that went to blue and gold and then red. And then it went back to Uncanny. And then Uncanny has rebooted twice now, um, if you include uh, uh, House Powers of X, which I love House of Powers. That was a great story. Um, but yeah, it, was, it was those two separate Hickman <clears throat> storylines. Story yeah. So rebooted again with these two miniseries, Powers of X and blah, blah, blah. And it went from that to, uh, yeah, a uh, 22-part crossover of them just having sword fights. Yeah. But now there are, like, 28 different mutant books again. Yeah. Marvel can't get enough of his mutants, man. <laughs> I know. It, this is I, – I believe this is a Disney thing because mm -hmm. DC's – you know, at Disney sees like a grain of sand that sold yesterday for like 10 cents. Right. They're going to buy 50 pound bags of sand and put it in all their stores. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So Dis Disney's plan for years has been uh, if something sells, 
saturate the market until they don't want it, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Right. And that, that's what they're doing. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, the X-Men are popular again. Okay, how many different books can we make? Ooh, a 22-part crossover, you say. Everybody <laughs> has to buy all the books. I love it. Yeah, yep. I'll, take, I'll just take the trade when it comes out. Thank you. Yep. And, you know, that's, again, that's another amazing opportunity for independent and small press um, creators to step in. Because there are people who just, that you know, they have event fatigue and they just can't bear, you know, that you, you put such an emotional investment into these massive events. And then when you're finished, you're spent and you're exhausted and you just don't have any more emotion to spare for these characters. But now they're starting up their next big event. And so people drop off and, you know, indie creators, we're right there. You know, we're like, hey, you know, we've got a nice contained six issue story. If you dig it, we're going to come back with another six issue story. It's not an event. It's not a crossover. You don't have to buy 50 books. You just got to buy six of the first one, six of the second one, six of the last one. You know, I'm going to tell my entire story in Cult of Dracula in fewer issues than Hickman is his ex of swords right now. So, um, you know, I, I think Cult of Dracula pound for pound is a better value. I might be a little biased in saying that, but, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity for indie creators um, to step in and reach uh, people when they've been exhausted by the event fatigue. Um, so, uh, you know, where they're, you know, where they're dropping the ball, we, we need to be right there to pick it up and, uh, and run it in. And just like, uh, I hate to beat the dead DC horse, but, uh, being, you know, I was, a, I was a DC kid since 74 mm-hmm. and, uh, they've pissed me off to the point that first of the year I quit. Mm. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't help that they're pushing some stores out that can't afford to blow $500 a month on DC titles that they might not may or may not be able to sell. And the fact that they're starting it with the, with the two month long, what if stories? Yeah. And then trying to blow them up into something spectacular, like the, uh, the new, the new futuristic version of wonder woman is a Brazilian woman that, from the Amazon that first appeared in one woman annual four for like a few panels. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's like, you know, that's the huge DC spec book of the week. And, and all the others are either are either versions we've seen before or, or new versions and new are, and there's what, like probably going to be 52 different ones. And DC loves that number 52, you know, <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, I enjoyed the 52 series when it was counting down and then counting yeah. back up. That was a great, that was a great innovative um, series. I mean, it was really, really cool. I don't, I don't think I had ever read anything quite like that. And it, it had me hooked, um, you know, reading. And I really, really enjoyed that, that series. Um, I think they might, they might want to, they, they maybe have gone back to that well uh, a few too many times. Um, you know, but there's still people out there that, that are reading it. You know, there are, believe it or not, there are people coming into the hobby for the first time with these books, you know I mean? Whereas it might be pushing, you know, 
someone like, you know, you or like me, who's been in this hobby for a long time, and maybe we're losing interest in it, but there are a lot of new people that are gaining interest, uh, you know, gaining interest. So, um, you know, I would, you know, I would say to people who are getting kind of tired of the superhero stuff, I think it's natural. Um, I see it as a comic book store owner. Um, people generally, when they come in um, and they're just getting back into the hobby, they just they take their favorite superhero and they want everything that that superhero appears in. They want everything, and they they overwhelm themselves. And then after about you know after about three, four, or five months, they start to figure out that every superhero comic is the same thirteen stories shaken up into a pot and retold with new costumes. Um, and so they're like, you know, I kind of want something different. You know, I want I want something a little more complex. And so that's when I start to steer them towards, um, you know, the Source Point Press books and the Image books and the Scout comics and the Aftershock and the Vault and all of these amazing genre books that are out there. Um, and, you know, that that right there um, is probably the biggest reason why we have such strong customer retention at my store. Um, you know, we keep people's interest because we don't try to force them to consume something they don't really want. You know, when they start to get tired of something, we move them to something better or something they're going to enjoy. And that doesn't mean they can't come back and read Batman six months later, but maybe they just need a break. You know, maybe they just want to move on and read something different for a while. Um, you know, so most of our job, um, you know, when I'm wearing the, the retailer hat is really just connecting uh, customers with the books that they want to read. And thankfully, we have that amazing opportunity. There are literally hundreds of small press books that come out and hit the shelves every single Wednesday. So, you know, when you come to our to my store, um, if you're bored with superheroes, don't worry about it, man. I have got not only one book for you to read, I've got 20 more from you to for you to choose from, um, you know, to, to help keep your interest. And um, I wish more stores would do that. I think some stores get lazy and they get complacent in the way they've done things for 30 years. Well, it ain't 30 years ago anymore, man. 1985 is gone and it ain't coming back. You know, you've got to meet people where they are. Um, you know, and you've got to have genre books and you've got to have indie books. And you've got to have diverse titles. Um, it's just where the hobby is now. And, you know, it, it's not going to circle back and not going to go back to the 80s. The 80s are gone. Um, they're fun. They're nostalgic. I love Stranger Things, but they're not coming back, man. Um, and You're trying to make me cry. <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> Son of a. <laughs> uh, but, there, you know. There's always when one thing goes away, there's always opportunity for something else. And that's where we are right now. You know, maybe the big thing of the 80s that is coming back. The 80s were an awesome time for small press indie titles. I mean, there were 50, 60, you know, small press publishers. Maybe they only put out one book or two books and then they just disappeared into the ether, never to be heard from again. But at least they did it. You know, at least they got those really cool books out there. And we're getting back to that. You know, we're seeing a lot of a lot of people uh, pop up out of nowhere and, you know, put out there like I've got a really awesome story to tell. There's no reason why I can't get it to market and publish it. And so they are, you know, and that's a really cool thing. Comics are, you know, comics are scary right now, but comics are also very, very exciting right now. I think the, the indie market is bigger than it ever was, uh, even at the height in the 80s and 90s. Absolutely. And because it's a it's a totally different time. Uh, at at points I'm 
overwhelmed just for the fact that there's at any given time, there's, you know, like 5,000 comic book Kickstarters going on. Yes. And I would really like to see something, somebody step up to all these indie people on Kickstarter and Indiegogo and have like a separate distribution so they could do some kind of distribution deal where yep. all these people would ship their stuff to them and then they would, they would ship it out and they would make it available to stores. So stores that do really well with uh, indie stuff like your store, uh, the collective down in Florida, Jen King store in Texas. Yeah. Cadets, uh, yep. and Love Jen, man. She's fantastic. You know, and yeah, I, I got suckered into the comic book shopping network. So, <laughs> dude, CBSN is awesome. I mean, they've got a lot of cool shows. Jen is, you know, she had her finger on the pulse of where the industry was going to go during COVID, and she moved quickly and efficiently before anybody else. And I mean, she really set the tone. And what they're doing at CBSN is fantastic. I oh mean, yeah, everybody's trying to. Uh, emulate what they're doing and you know she's you know she's the type of comic book store owner uh her and jesse um man they're the type of com comic book shop owners that are going to carry comic book shops into the future um now it might they may be dragging some people kicking and stream and screaming but they're still going to go uh because you know they don't want to go get other jobs because <laughs> as bad as this job can be sometimes it's a whole lot better than the others that are out there. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, a bad day at the comic shop is still better than a good day at your job. Yeah, exactly. I can say that. Um, now, the, the other thing I will say that a that a terrible day writing comics is better than an average day at the comic book store. I can I can I can say that with with full full faith and confidence. There. Yeah, because <laughs> after you finish working for six hours, and all you want to do is take a bite of your sandwich. That's when everybody comes in with questions. Right. So then you don't eat for another six hours. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> at, least, uh, at least now I can kind of I can kind of become a hermit down in my uh, down in my office and you know lock the doors and nobody bothers me for for a couple of hours. You know. Mm -hmm. So that that's fun. Well, I I knew Jesse from a couple of years ago. We were both guests on another podcast one time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, friend of them kept, kept in touch. Uh, wasn't too keen on a lot of stuff he was saying because he seemed to be like, you know, this is good and then this is bad. And then it would go, you know, right. 60 because he was work, you know, they were working, they were working through stuff. And then the whole CBSN thing came up and I'm like, and of course, you know, because of the webpage and everything, I get all the PR from scout and you know all these other places mm -hmm. uh not aftershock apparently uh we're too small for aftershock but that's okay oh <laughs> you know what i know joe i'm gonna i'll put a word in for you and say hey you need to pay pay attention to outright geekery man they, they've got some great stuff over there oh that'd be very cool uh but when the when the pr came on in from scout that they had done the deal with cbsn so every uh every new scout trade and every new scout number one was going to get an exclusive CBSN cover. Mm -hmm. um, and they weren't like, 
you know, not ridiculously priced, you know, like, you know, 10 bucks for, you know, an exclusive variant. Variant and also comes down to this is an exclusive store variant. Mm-hmm. Think of this as, you know, 10 or $15 here, but at another store exclusive would cost you 40 bucks. Oh yeah. You know, so they, they've got, they've got all, they've got all their variants. And, and I think Jesse's up to like, I don't know, like 10,000 store variants or something. Holy good <laughs> God. Not, not that many. I, I think, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> I, I think he's up like around the 400 mark. Yeah. Um, the most recent one, which I'm sure is, you know, sold out, you know, pre order sold out was the, uh, you know, the big book that came that that's hit that's hitting the, the punchline number one where everybody has yeah. a variant. Yeah. Um, so they, they got their exclusive variant from DC and, you know, was happy that they said yes. And he was happy mm-hmm. More that you know, everybody bought out all the pre-orders, and uh, right. you know, because like, you know, I love the store exclusive variants now um, because for a while it was only Marvel and DC that were doing these, and the order um, the order thresholds were so high that the average small store really couldn't afford to do them, but. Very wisely, um, a lot of these independent companies have started doing that, and they've realized that you know, and we, you know, we did it with Cult of Dracula number one. We had several um, store exclusives, you know, because we could talk to them and like, you know, hey, you know, do a thousand units or do two hundred and fifty units if you if you want, and you know, we'll provide you, we'll hook you up with a really awesome artist. You know, we got uh, you know, we got Tiffany Groves, and we got uh, Sanford Green, and we got David Sanchez and William Russell. You know, um, maybe they're not household names, you know, yesterday, but tomorrow they probably are going to be, um, you know, because Tiffany and Tiffany, and David, man, William, they're, they're doing great, great cover art. You know, and everybody's always looking for the next best thing or the next new thing. Um, but, yeah, you know, indie indie comics are a great way to let a store um, kind of get in on the game a little bit, you know, because you can't afford to do a DC exclusive. I mean, because who can afford to order 5,000 copies of one book, you know, if you're just a small, you know, small retailer somewhere in central Florida, you know, or yeah, and, it's, it, and it's a, it's like a minimum uh, $10,000 signing bonus to DC yeah. uh, on top of the cost of the books. Yeah. It, it's crazy expensive, but you know, with Cult of Dracula, we're going to be doing this with source point. Um, you know, uh, we're going to allow 10, uh, retailers, we're limiting it because we don't want to oversaturate. We're going to allow 10 retailers to do uh, store exclusive variants of the Cult of Dracula remastered edition and then every issue after that. So um, what we're doing is we're putting together a list of artists and you know, we, you know 10 artists on there and we'll go to the retailers and it's first come first serve. So if you want Peach Momoko, uh, you better get on it quick. If you want uh, Shannon Mayer, you better get on it quick. If you want Clayton Crane, you better get on it quick because we're only going to do one of those um, and they're limited to 10. It's first come, first serve. Um, so, you know, I think it's a, it's really exciting. It's a really cool opportunity for, um, you know, for these stores to get really excited about uh, doing, uh, you know, Cult of Dracula and carrying it in their stores. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, I think the indie publishers that are doing that um, you know, they're, they're going to be ahead of the game, um, uh, because that's where the game's going. Oh yeah. Most definitely. The, uh, this, this, 
I see more and more people, like even like friends of mine that, you know, I didn't even know they were still reading comics and other friends that are like a couple years older than me, uh, one who has a comic and toy collection that we would both drool over. <laughs> uh, he actually gave me a lobster bit because I was drooling one day, but um, wow. yeah. you know, when, when, when somebody opens up a box, a short box, well, a, a, a CGC graded short box, and that short box is full of nothing but Luke Cage Hero for Hire number one. Wow. All graded, and the lowest grade is like a 7 0. Wow. That's a collection worth drooling over. You know, and he's got like action figures and. Uh, uh, what's that expensive, really good toy company? Oh, Sideshow? That's the one. It burns my tongue to say that because I can't afford to, like, you know, own a box, an empty box from them. So, right. Um, he's got Sideshow statues, uh, a couple of, couple of figures. He's, he's got the really nice Sideshow Fantastic Four. Uh, Silver Surfer Galactus thing. Oh yes, that's. I'm beautiful. like, I'm like, oh. I love Sideshow. Uh, man, their 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 figures are just unreal. The the oh, detail on those is incredible. Oh yeah, they they do like they do like great stuff. But I mean, there's 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 so much out there, and like even those friends, they're they're like you know branching off. You know, they still get like. There are a few books here or there, or like if a cover grabs their eye, like a buddy of mine bought uh, a cover today uh, that came out from Image today that uh, was just gorgeous. It had a it had a beautiful redhead on it, covered in tattoos. He's like, <laughs> "Oh, uh, the marked." Yeah, the marked. So yep. that was a fantastic cover. I go, "How was the book?" He goes, "Oh, this was strictly a cover purchase." <laughs> Tell me when you read the book, man. The Mart is a really, it's a, it's a really cool oh, book yeah. where tattoos give people superpowers. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Oh man, that would be awesome. Yeah, right. Maybe one of my tattoos will give me my legs back again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, then I actually have to go to work and do a real job. Screw that. Yeah, right. But uh, you know, this is this has been uh, great talking to you and, and great news. Yeah, man, it's always good to talk to you, man. I yeah, always, always enjoy it. A multimedia deal for the for the series. Uh, new cover. Let's throw that cover up there again. Yeah, show cool. that show that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> the dog ate the beans. How do you know? Woo. I I do. I love this cover, man. I can't say it enough. Eula just killed it, and. Um, you know, uh, you'll be able to see this cover uh, in uh, in the January issue of previews. I think it's going to do fantastically well um, and uh, cannot wait until um, more stores start to see the book and get it out there. And I uh, want to hear from uh, people who have read it. Um, you know, you can always hit me up on my uh, my Facebook. There's a Facebook page, uh, uh, Cult of Dracula, it's at Cult of Dracula Comic. Um, we're also on Twitter and Instagram with the same handles. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, 
like the page and send us a message. If you send a message to the page, uh, it's going to be either me or Henry responding to you. So, um, you know, if you want to, if you care to get to know us, if that's something you want to do, we would love to get to know you. So, you know, stay in contact with us, um, you know, and um, enjoy the book. So this is going to be in the January previews, which means it should be on store shelves early March. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, Cult of Dracula remastered from SourcePoint Press should hit shelves. I want to say it's the second Wednesday in March. Uh, I'd have to confirm that with Jacob. But um, but yeah, so it'll be in the January issue of previews um, and available in comic book stores nationwide. Of course, issues number one and number two, just the standard editions are already available in stores. Um, we're in 96 stores uh, in the U.S. and a couple in Canada and one in the U.K. So, um, you know, oh, we're, yeah, we're international, uh, which is kind of cool. I'm the international man of mystery. <laughs> uh, is, is, the lo- is, the, is the worded logo been uh, redesigned on this cover? On this one, yes. Uh, Gula wanted to do um, something that paid homage to the Hammer films, you know, and so uh, totally was on board with him doing that. But, yeah, this is a... Uh, completely new uh, trade dress as well. And we may actually, uh, I'm very strongly considering going with this style for all of the six issues that come out from um, from SourcePoint in, in the first volume, um, because I just love it and it totally fits the vibe. Um, you know, we're still going to have, uh, we've got variant covers uh, by Chris Callahan, Tiffany Groves, uh, Henry Martinez, George Genty, Sanford Green, um, and some others. Uh, Alan Qua. Um, oh, yeah. Alan is phenomenal. Oh, I can't wait. I wish uh, I, I wanted to actually show you his variant cover for Cult of Dracula number two. It's the Scorpion comics. Uh, but Sean, uh, he's a little stingy and won't let me do that because he hasn't gone live with it on their store. But uh, I think it's going to go up for order at the Scorpion Comics website uh, later this week. Um, issue number one sold out in 45 minutes. Um, it was stunningly gorgeous. I can tell you that the cover that Alan did for issue number two is even more fantastically beautiful. And um, I'm hoping that we get to sell it out in like 30 minutes this time. So, uh, you know, it was 47 minutes last time. So we want to we want to beat that number. Uh, uh, but yeah, if you're if, if you have right, so now, now I have to have a window open to Scorpion Comics, waiting for that clock to tick down, and hope I don't. Yep. With my luck, I'll I'll fall asleep for about thirty seconds, and it'll be gone. It'll be gone. Yeah. <laughs> Sean knows what he's doing over there, man. He um he really knows how to sell those books, and he uh, I, I love working with him because he is his attention to detail is very similar to my attention to detail. The smallest little thing, if it's not right, he demands that you make it right. So when you buy an exclusive from Scorpion Comics, you're getting the absolute highest quality that you can possibly get. Um, oh, and yeah. as, a, as a creator, I could not ask for a better uh, retailer to work with. He, he's really fantastic, a lot of great ideas, and he really runs a good business over there at Scorpion. So uh, I highly recommend I've got, it. I've got, I think I've got like two Scorpion uh exclusives because i used to be an admin in a different uh in a in a comic in a big comic book group on facebook i'm Mm -hmm. back back as a member now um you know basically just to share all these shows out to everywhere yeah and you know talk to talk to some friends in there but uh 
when we were admins, they used to they used to put like ad blocks at the at the top in their banner, and they would put mm -hmm. like a company's logo in there, and they would you know do daily promotions for them for something new coming out. But the the one catch was all all the all the admins and mods got a free copy of whatever. You have to ship it out to them, and we all get one. Nice. So you know, I I got the. Uh, the princess, the the Bespin Princess Leia. Um, oh, yes. The uh, the hardly the hardly thin the action figure cover. Yep. And yep. and I got another one, and we did we did one for two we did one for one company and one for another company and it was both issue one of uh, Phoenix Resurrection. Uh huh. One was just you know cool looking flames everywhere like took up the like from border to border on the cover. Yep. Which, you know, which was cool to look at, you know, for like all of like 30 seconds. It's like, yeah, next. Yeah, and, right. And the other one was old, old school Phoenix. So it was Marble Girl. And they did, they did a cover reminiscent of Steranko from the first couple of uh, original Nick Fury books. Mm hmm. You know the the black and white swirlies oh, yeah. everywhere, and you know all I'm that a stuff. huge Steranko fan. I love and I, his. And I'm like, I go, I want that. I want that book just for that. Yeah, I, I want it because you know I can't afford a really nice copy of like an early Nick Fury, just that right. you know just to have it. And but you know, I can I can have and keep this. So right, know. something that pays homage to him. Yeah. So you know that's. That's pretty sweet for me. So I've, I've got a couple things from Scorpio and I've got friends that, you know, have bought, you know, nine out of 10, you know, exclusives, you know, mainstream exclusives they've done. And yeah, they, they do great stuff. And um, I'm pretty sure it's it's either later this week or early next week when he's uh, when he's dropping uh, the new Alan Qua cover for uh, uh, Cult of Dracula and. Those books, I think he's gonna. They'll be selling them for like, uh, I think twenty five dollars a piece when they go. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's somewhere around there. Um, but immediately after the Cult of Dracula number one Alan Qua variant went up, uh, people were popping it up on eBay for well over a hundred dollars. Uh, so um, you know, I would highly recommend tuning in over there. Um, also, uh, one, there's a variant cover for number two coming out by David Sanchez. Uh, it's an Izzy's Comics exclusive. I love this art. Uh, David is an artist that I've just recently been turned on to. Um, I think the guy is fantastically talented. He's, he's a humble artist, um, which I, I you know love to work with. Um, and he, he made this almost photorealistic cover, um, and it's all uh, you know pencils. Um, it's beautiful. Um, so you can you can get it now. It's only ten dollars um, at Izzy's Comics. Um, so I, if you can, pop over there and order that one because Izzy's um, is a really cool company as well. Dave is a fantastic artist. Um, you know, uh, really want to support that. Um, but yeah, we've got some great retailer exclusive uh, covers still out there. I know Rick's Comic City um, still has uh, their Henry Martinez variant um, for, of issue one up for sale on their website. Uh, Sailfish Comics uh, has a George's Genty cover um, that's a play on Michelangelo's Paeta, which is one of my all-time favorite sculptures. Um, you know, so I I am a I am not an artist at all, but I am a 
lover of art and uh, an admirer of art history. So I was really happy that Georges was able to do that cover for me um, and knew what I was talking about when I'm referencing Baeza, uh, you know, because so, so I've worked with some artists that are just like, you know, all they're focused on is the new pop art styles, you know. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there uh, you know, related to issue one and issue two coming up. So um, check them out. All good stuff out there and uh, it should be uh, pretty good. Yeah, man. I'm excited. And um, I'll send you a PDF copy of uh, Cult of Dracula number two uh, so you can read it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, there'll be a shop up around you that uh, that has hard copies. If not, let me know and I'll uh, I will send you one. Uh, this will be the la- this will be the last uh, legally produced uh, copy from Second Sight. So after this. Um, after we fulfill those orders, uh, the whole property moves over to SourcePoint Press, and uh, we'll be re-releasing uh, in the January issue of previews with Cult of Dracula remastered. All new, all new cover art by Gula Nimeth, reworked interior art by Henry Martinez, and some bonus content uh, called Brahms Case Files at the end. It's going to be a really awesome, um, really awesome uh, value and a really good thing to read. Cool. Uh, I will definitely look forward to it. I will. Make sure my uh, my shop orders those remastered copies. Yeah, you know if, and I'll tell them it's like, well, if you got to order like at least five, uh, they're they're gonna sell. Just look at the cover, and yeah. if they don't, screw it. I'll buy them all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think any shop out there is gonna have um, a difficulty selling this book. I mean, you know, I'm, again, I'm biased. But uh, it's a really good story. The art is gorgeous. It suits the story well. And, you know, Henry's style, he has that kind of 70s vibe to it, which is what I wanted. Um, Trevor Richardson's colors are stunning. Trevor is going to be a colorist that you're going to see a lot of work from him uh, coming up. Uh, He's just so talented. And, you know, um, the cover art alone will sell it. Plus, it's under development from Sure Pictures um, for a film project. So there's really no reason if you're a comic book, stop, comic book store owner, there's no reason not to order this. You're, you're not going to get stuck with it. It's going to sell. Yeah, and if there's, if there's two things in horror that sell nowadays, it's zombies and Dracula. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, definitely, uh, Rich, thank you so much for... Uh, hanging out and talking Cult of Dracula and everything sure. in between with us. And uh, we hope to see you again real soon with uh, more yeah. news of the uh, development and anything else that goes on. Uh, please contact us so we can uh, we can post up for you on the site. I sure will, man. Thanks again for having me. It's always great to talk to you. And I can't wait to hear this episode and keep listening to the others. Awesome. Thank- thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, peace, love, and read some comic books.